Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Clear Cut Sports. I'm your host, Seth. Happy uh, Memorial Day to all of you out there. Um, and thank you for all those the veterans and current military members who have served bravely. Um, we, I very much appreciate, and we very much appreciate everything you have done for us and will continue to do. Hope everyone's doing well today. Beautiful day where I'm at. Um, hope you all are enjoying yourselves. So, there was rumblings about a trade in the NBA, and this now would be a blockbuster, don't get me wrong. Involving, of course, Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards going to the Brooklyn Nets. And let me tell you, that would be something else. I don't know who would be, who we could beat, assuming during the trade, um, Brooklyn would keep these other three guys. I'm sure they would. Imagine this lineup. You have Kyrie at the point. Beal at the two. KD can play the three or the four. And then, of course, DeAndre Jordan at the center position. Man, that, that. That isn't legit one, uh, four, one, two, four punch. One, you know, foursome punch. That's what I'm trying to get at. The only one I could really, you can't, like, who, who is a better foursome than that in the NBA? The only one I could think of, and I, I don't think they're better, but like another good foursome would be in Boston with Kemba, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. I mean, that's a legit four as well. But I, I'd still take the Nets, the, the you know that combination over the Boston Celtics combination. Besides that, I really can't think of another, you know, maybe... You could say Steph, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond um, if they all return, you know, next season or whenever the season begins. That's another good foursome. And you know, Steph and Clay, the the greatest backcourt shooting tandem I've ever seen. So you could make that argument. Other than that, I, you know, the Lakers only have really two. Um, Houston has, you know, Westbrook and, and Harden. They only have the two. So, for a foursome, I, I think that would be the greatest in the NBA. The only thing I would be interested to see from Brooklyn's perspective, one of their strengths is their bench. You got guys... Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, Jared Allen, Joe Harris. I think Joe Harris is just usually a starter, but still, if if Beal was there, you know, he 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 wouldn't be the starter, obviously, unless he played the three. Wilson Chandler, bunch of these guys. Kind of the role players. Garrett Temple, I like him. <clears throat> How much of that would you have to give up in order in order to get Bradley Beal? Because you know if if the Wizards trade Beal, they're gonna they're gonna ask a lot. Their asking price is gonna be high because Beal is a heck of a player, multiple time All Star. Sometimes he got snubbed. 
So my my worry would be for the Brooklyn Nets. Can you keep? You won't be able to keep everybody, of course, and you're probably gonna have to get rid of a high draft pick, maybe a first first rounder. But can you keep the bulk of this bench intact, which is one of your key strengths? Not to mention Kyrie Irving misses a lot of time. Kevin Durant, of course, is coming off his his ACL. DeAndre Jordan, you know, he's missed some games. Bradley Beal, if he was there, you know, he's pretty he so far knock on wood, he's been pretty reliable. But there's two to three guys that you're gonna need that bench to step up in a big way if they get hurt. And not to mention a bench is important anyways. No not everyone could be LeBron James playing forty eight minutes a night in his seventeenth season, which is absolutely incredible. So if if you do make this trade for Brooklyn, can you maneuver it somehow so you keep your bench intact? At least the majority of it. I love Spencer Dinwiddie. Unfortunately, I think he might be have he might have to be one of the players to go. Joe Harris just won the three point contest. Uh, you know, so he's he's a marksman, no doubt. Jared Allen is one of the better shot blockers in the league. Karis Levert was on a tear, you know, before he got hurt last year. All of these guys are really, really key players in this in this Brooklyn Nets system. And the Brooklyn Nets have done a great job to keep them there and to draft them and to get them and stuff. So my, that's my only fear about this trade. You might be front heavy, which, hey, it may work. You may still, you're going to win a bunch of games anyway. But when it comes down to, you know, when, when you sub out KD and Bradley Beal, who will be coming off the bench if you do trade a lot or some of them away in the trade? And you're gonna, your draft next year at least probably is going to be weaker because you're probably going to have to give up a pick or two. We'll have to see if it goes through. Um, what the details of it and what picks are gone, etc. <clears throat> but hopefully, if Brooklyn can keep, you know, I listed how many, you know, around five guys, you know, uh, Dinwiddie, Allen, Joe Harris, Wilson Chandler, Karis Levert. If you can keep, if you only can get rid of one or two of them, maybe, then I still, you, you're probably still looking pretty good. Obviously, not every team is perfect. But that would really put the Nets into the driver's seat of the Eastern Conference. Which leads me to my next point. If this trade went through, and you know, obviously we wouldn't be able to tell you who who the trade is and you know who gets traded and so who would still be in Washington or in uh, Brooklyn. Would this would adding Bradley Beal make them the favorites in the East? They would definitely be better, of course. But would it make them the favorites to come out of the East? My answer is almost. As funny as that sounds. Almost. I think this move 
you know, besides, you know, the, 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 the bad teams, you know, Cleveland and Chicago, the Knicks and Detroit and all that. But, you know, Brooklyn last year found themselves in the, they finished, what is this, seventh in the East. So they're kind of, we're in that, you know, bottom half of the playoff, um, playoff race. Then of course they added KD and Kyrie. I think this move will put them definitely ahead of the Magic, definitely ahead of the Sixers. Don't get don't get me going about the Sixers. I don't want to hear it. I hear all this talk about the Sixers and how they're the next greatest thing. And when I see it, I'll believe it. And they're ahead of the Sixers. They're ahead of the. They put you ahead of the Pacers. And I would probably put them ahead of the Miami Heat, although they are young and playing well, and they are dogs over there. They are tough. So that leaves me with the Bucks, the Raptors, and the Celtics. Like I said earlier, the Celtics have a great, you know, uh, great foursome squad, but not as great as this as the what the potential Nets one would be. So the Nets go above the Celtics. Now we're talking Toronto-Milwaukee. Toronto, the Raptors, are their strength is they're exceptionally well coached. Nick Nurse has put us on notice that he is an elite coach because they lost Kawhi Leonard, of course, and they were still, up until the, you know, the coronavirus uh, pandemic happened, second in the East next to Milwaukee. They're exceptionally well coached. Pascal Siakam has improved leaps and bounds. Fred Van Fleet and the role players, Kyle Lowry, have really stepped up. They're playing well. They play excellent defense. But, but, I think this, if, you know, comparing the two teams, it's a talent mismatch. Kyrie, I, I would take Kyrie healthy over uh, Kyle Lowry. I would take Bradley Beal over Fred Van Fleet. I would take KD over Pascal Siakam, and the healthy DeAndre Jordan over Marcus All. There's the four best players. You know they all go in favor of the Brooklyn Nets. So a, a talent mismatch, and of course the best talent doesn't always win, but in this and what. This conversation and this discussion, it does. I would, I, I would have to take Brooklyn over Toronto. So that leaves Milwaukee. And you could say, well, you can say use the same argument. This is a talent mismatch. Who would you take? You know, besides Giannis, who you know he's one of the greatest in the league. Everywhere else you look, it would point to perhaps Brooklyn. My only issue is who's gonna guard Giannis. Not not saying nobody in the nobody in the league can really guard Giannis anyway, but who on this Brooklyn Nets team would guard Giannis? I think he's too strong for KD, and he's too fast for DeAndre Jordan, and also too strong for Jared Allen if he's to stay there. And if as soon as you collapse, this is what Milwaukee does: they get Giannis to drive. If you don't collapse, he'll take it to the rim and he'll get fouled or he'll make a bucket. And if you do collapse, he kicks it out and he has 
endless shooters around him. Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, you know, all those young guys. I don't think anyone on the Brooklyn Nets can effectively guard Giannis. Not saying anyone really can, but I think he will he he will he will have no I don't want to say have his way with Brooklyn, but he is something we just unbelievably talented. He's so strong, he's physical, he's fast. I don't think anyone on the Nets can guard him. So I would still, and not to mention Coach Bud is an exceptional coach. He coaches them extremely well. I would be hesitant to put the Nets over Milwaukee. So this move, Bradley Beal would put the Nets up to second in the East, slightly behind Milwaukee. That is my analysis on this. And we're, we're forgetting something here. Let's look at it from the other side. The Washington Wizards would absolutely love to get rid of this Bradley Beal contract. You know, a couple of years ago, we signed a two-year max extension going into, I think it was the 2021 season. The Wizards have been horrible the past few years with Wall and Beal. You had to trade one of them, and this is your out. This is how you get rid of one. You trade Beal, you're going to get picks, and you're going to get young, hopefully, young pieces to add to this team. And now you can build around John Wall, who's coming off an injury. I like the the uh, the young man they drafted, Rhee Hachimura. Davis Bertans from the Spurs, I like him. I like Shabazz Napier. Thomas Bryant, a good young center. So they're young. And if John Wall can figure out how to lead effectively... I like this team going forward. I think this is the right move for the Washington Wizards. So I think <clears throat> for Brooklyn, if you can keep the you know your good bench pieces, you're like your sixth and seventh man. And for Washington, as long as you get some good picks and good young pieces to build around John Wall, I think this is a win-win for both teams. I really, really do. So we'll see. Hopefully, it goes through. I, it'd be great because then. Now, oh, now we have Brooklyn really a title contender. They already were probably with Kyrie and KD and DeAndre Jordan. But now, oh, man, look out. They had another piece, Bradley Beal. Like I said, second best in the East. Probably could in a seven-game series with, with Milwaukee. Sign me up for that. And, of course, it wouldn't be clear-cut, clear-cut sports without talking about this Dak Prescott contract thing. Over the weekend... I've had some time to think about it, reflect on it, think about it again, and reflect some more. And here's what I've come up with. This Dak Prescott thing with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, now, before I say anything, I will tell you, I don't have children. I don't know what it's like to raise a child. But from what I gather, and you know, from movies and what my parents have told me, and my grandparents and all that, here's what I've got. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys is like raising a child. Hear me out on this. In the early stage, you know, of a when you know when you have your baby and it's growing up, it's fun. It's a lot of work. You've got to adjust a lot 
you're, you got to adjust your lifestyle and your surroundings. But it's fun. You make a lot of memories. You have a lot of fun. And it's happy. But your relationship is typically a happy one between you and your child. Then, as the child grows up, you get into this teenager phase where they start being rebellious, against the rule, don't listen to you, slam the door when you're trying to talk to them. And that's what kind of what I'm seeing here with Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. You know, Dak Prescott is, you know, he's been this, before this, you know, quote-unquote teenage phase, He's worked hard. He never missed a game. He showed up to every practice. He, you didn't hear anything bad about him. He was just put his nose to the grindstone and just kept working. And now, here we are in this teenager rebellious phase. He's getting worked up about the, with the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones and those fellas in there. Similar to how a teenager, the hormones are flowing, you know, stuff at school or whatever, and it's just a big mess. And that's what it is in Dallas right now. This is a mess. We've heard different things. Dak Prescott, he's been offered to be paid the same as Russell Wilson, who, you know, earlier if in a previous episode I said is the second-best quarterback, and Dak isn't in my top ten. So this is kind of what we're going through now. It's the growing pains. And then, of course, after the teenage phase, you know, when you get to your early 20s, you think back, oh, my goodness. Man, I was a real jerk to my parents. I was a real jerk to my siblings if I had any. Whoops, my bad. And then you kind of realize that. And typically, and... A lot of cases, your parents are like, you know, it, it's okay. You're a teenager. There was stuff going on. I was a teenager once, blah, blah, blah. After the resolution of this contract, whether it's, you know, Dak had signed or he doesn't, and then in a few years down the road, whether he's with the Dallas Cowboys or another franchise, I wonder if Dak's going to look back and be like, wow, geez, I really wasn't, I really shouldn't have been asking for top quarterback money because I wasn't one of the top two quarterbacks in the league. Ah, jeez. What was I thinking? I feel so bad now. And then maybe he'll go to the Dallas Cowboys and say, yo, I apologize, I'm sorry. And by that time, maybe the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, will forgive him and say, ah, it's okay, you know, we would ask for that money too. Or maybe it's uh, too bad, so sad, get on out of here, we have our next quarterback. It'd be interesting to see. So, it's funny how I thought it's, I thought about that, and I really saw a lot of comparisons between you know the, the phases of you know uh, a child's upbringing, you know the young the young phase, the teenage phase, and the adult phase, and the relationships with the parents. How similar similar that is to the Dak Prescott his rookie contract, and he. he in his first four or five years, he's worked hard. He hasn't said a word. All you hear is good things about him. He's a leader. He's hardworking. Doesn't miss any time. 
Now here we are in that little rebellion phase. He doesn't want to sign anything. What It's his way or the highway. He wants to sign his contract with the amount that he wants. And we'll see in the later phases, in the later stages, you know, the hyperbole being the adult phase. We'll see if he can reflect on that and see, ah, oh, geez, man, I was a jerk. Whoops. What was I thinking? The Dallas Cowboys were right. My parents were right. I shouldn't have been going out and staying out till 4 a.m. every night. I shouldn't have asked for the highest paid quarterback money because I'm not the best quarterback in the league. That was my funny little theory I had. One thing to remember, everybody, he has been placed under the exclusive franchise tag. Um which he means he will make, you know, right around $31 million 2020. If they do not sign Dak Prescott by the 15th of July, if they do not sign him, he will play under that franchise tag, and then he'll be a free agent. If they do, obviously he will be part of the Dallas Cowboys for as long as the contract states. So the next really important date is July 15th, about a month and a half's time. So keep Keep your eyes peeled on that. I'm sure we'll have more, more information shortly. This topic seems to be never-ending, if I have to be honest. Thank you all for tuning in today. Catch you all on Wednesday. Again, once again, happy Memorial Day. Thank you to all those who have served and are still serving. I really appreciate it. We all do. And stay safe, everybody.